The following is a For Vengeance Media production. we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey. On Silent Ice TV. Welcome to episode two of Game Changers. My name is Dean Millard. It is a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, the season is starting to roll out. The JPHL kicked off last weekend in Calgary. The AJHL drops the puck this Friday and NHL training camps are around the corner. We will tackle all three on today's show as we have another dynamite show for you led by Kirby Doc of the Montreal Canadiens. As well, we will have an AJHL preview with Brandon Iwan Cheshen and Tyler King and Tyrell Spitzer, the vice president of Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment. But Kirby Doc, how about this guy? Took the NHL by storm in his draft year. Uh, third overall, made the Blackhawks, um, was really, really good and then was traded to the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to talk to him about that trade, how it may have impacted him in the National Hockey League, what the spotlight is like in Montreal, and, of course, what it is like coming back to play in his home area. That would be the City of Champions in Edmonton. So we'll talk with Kirby Doc, our AJHL preview. Uh, two of the best voices in the AJ, Ewan Cheshin and King, will break it all down, especially some of the new rules that are coming into play in the last little while. It's been, um, yeah, I'd say interesting to say the least, uh, for some guys that are not used to wearing a cage and some incredible events coming up uh, when it comes to silent ice sports and entertainment uh, of the hockey variety Uh, man there are some incredible stuff happening in the youth hockey world and for vengeance media cannot wait to bring you all of these amazing events that silent ice sports and entertainment has planned for you but let's get into our show with our ajhl preview coming up will we see another brooks spruce grove final let's check in with the experts Brandon Ewan Cheshin, the voice of the Saints, and he'll be joined by Tyler King, the voice of the Okotoks Oilers. Thank you very much, Dean. Very excited to be on Game Changers this week as we preview the Alberta Junior Hockey League, which turns 60 this year, and it starts its 60th season this Friday. The Spruce Grove Saints, more specifically, they turn 20 this year, and they open up their 20th season this Friday on home ice at the Grant Fear as they host the Grand Prairie Storm. But before we talk about this year, let's talk about last year and the season that was the Spruce Grove Saints first off beating the all-time record for home ice wins at the Grant Fear Arena, collecting 58 out of a possible 60 points, a huge milestone for the franchise. And above that as well, collecting the most points ever in the silent ice sports and entertainment ownership era for 
102 total points on the season. Right now, we're taking a look at Ethan Lair's overtime winner. That clinched the North Division Championship for Spruce Grove for the fourth consecutive year. The Saints would go on to play Brooks in the final. Unfortunately, a couple overtime games didn't go their way. They lost every game by just one goal. And in the end, Brooks did take the championship going on to win the national championship out in Portage. But for Spruce Grove, a lot of turnover this offseason. 14 players are gone. Notable guys like Luigi Benacasa, Breck McKinley, Brophy Dunn, all out heading out to school. Benacasa going to Ferris State. McKinley going to Bowling Green. Brophy Dunn just up the road from us, actually, in Edmonton, set to attend Nate with a couple other guys like Ethan Lair and a lot of St. alumni that have gone there over the years. But the hard part for the hockey operations staff 15 new players coming into the fold for this campaign. And I talked to Tyler Woke, my broadcast partner, about this earlier today. But the goalie tandem might be one of the best ones in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Leading things off with now an AJHL veteran in Zach Onescu, who, for those of you that know, got hurt last year in the postseason run and wasn't able to play against Brooks, which maybe hampered the Saints' chances a little bit. Not to take away from the job that Jamison Kane and Spencer Mitchnick did, who were unbelievable in the crease, but you got to think if your starter's there, similar to maybe Dwayne Rolison in 2006 with the Edmonton Oilers, you have a better shot of maybe winning the championship. But back to the goaltenders, and honestly, you're going to lead that position off. But Ryan DeCook is coming from the Lethbridge United of the Junior Prospects Hockey League. You talked to him actually in a post-game interview when we were covering the Spruce Grove Saints preseason but a guy who stonewalled a lot of teams in the JPHL. He had a 500 record in the JPHL, but a 924 save percentage. So a guy that maybe wasn't on the right end of the score on most nights, but still kept the puck out of the net a lot of the time. So he joined Zach Oneskew in the crease this year for Spruce Grove. And those two guys, I think, have a very good chance to be the top tandem in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And if you look at more notable guys coming in, the GM, Rob Sklaruk, again, doing a great job. Nathan Hawkins, he was signed to an LOI last year, actually scored a goal in a December game as an AP against Drayton Valley that the Saints went on to win. He got both fetch goes to come to Spruce Grove, one signed out of BC and the other one LOI. Trey, the older one, and Marcus, the younger one, they get to play together for the first time in a long time for Spruce Grove this season. Bryson Aikens joins the club. Teo Pisani, Ashton Hutchinson come in from the St. Albert Raiders. Will Brophy comes in from down south in the United States. Junshi Hidashima, another player that previously played in the Hockey Super League, now joins the Spruce Grove Saints. And a couple big guys as well that we should mention. The first one is Ryan Johnstone. He was traded from the Pickering Panthers about a month ago now, and this guy has had some significant time on the national stage. First off, at the National Junior A Championship with Pickering and his club team, but also at the World Junior A Challenge with Team Canada East out in Cornwall, Ontario last year. And I think our GM and Rob got a great look at him as he was the GM of Canada West at that tournament. Johnstone playing for Canada East did get the better of Canada West a couple of times. So Johnstone, of course, probably a big circle on Rob's card to go and try get in the offseason, which he successfully did. Another guy acquired via trade would be Ryder Mater, a guy that's, I think, in my mind, one of the Cummins Bruce Grove for a long time. He was traded to Sherwood Park in the offseason, and Sherwood Park, Decided to deal him before even playing him as he's now a member of the Spruce Grove Saints from day number one. Hunter Bill also signed to an LOI. Bradley Gallo signed. And the newest member of the Saints, Artem Grabovetsky. This guy has been everywhere. He was part of the traveling Team Ukraine last year that played, as you know, just up the road here in Edmonton against a couple college teams. But his English is coming along. He's doing well. He's going to be a guy that, in my mind, sits right in the high slot has a great hand-eye, can tip bucks, and be very reliable and professional both in the room and on the ice. But what I'm really looking forward to him is to see his production on the power play and see how he can do here as he gets acquainted with the AJHL and the Canada style of living. And we're now joined by Tyler King, the play-by-play -play voice and the assistant GM of the Okotoks Oilers down south in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. But he's actually at home right now out in Ontario spending some time with family. So Tyler, really appreciate you taking the time here tonight. Absolutely, Brandon. No problem. Let's dive into it. The AJHL starts up this weekend. 
The league turned 60. The Saints turned 20. I actually have no idea what age the Okotoks Oilers are turning, but I'm sure you'll let us know. But last year, another competitive year. I think we saw a record amount of commitments play in the league, commit out of the league. Again, Brooks wins it in the end, but did you maybe feel like it was more competitive throughout? It, it was in terms of the top teams in the, in the AJHL. By the way, the Oilers are 18, which means they can now legally gamble. Um, but I would tell you that the the top of the AJHL was, was extremely competitive. I, I wouldn't say the parity of the league has gotten to quite where we might have seen back in you know 2011-12, the good old days as I like to call them. But what's been nice to see is how a lot of teams that have been on multi-year improvement strategies. I think Lloyd Minster is a great example of that. Um, you know, Bonneville with the the bringing of, of Mario Puglio and what he's been able to do with them. We've seen teams kind of jump into that upper tier of what AJHL squads are able to do. That to me has been the most impressive thing to watch over these last few years. And I'm really hoping it's something that can continue this year. The introduction of visors, something that has come in this year are no more. So it's time for the cages per the AJHL, but higher up per Hockey Canada. So now, if you don't know the rule, it's grandfathered in. If you're already wearing a visor, you can continue to do so. Unless you are under 18, then you have to put a cage on. So you'll see visors for 19, 20-year-olds this year, and then next year only 20-year-olds, and then in a couple of years from now, you'll see none of it. Now, people have gone back and forth on this. I know where I stand. I don't really know where you stand. We're going to find out. But the visors versus cages debate, where are you on that? It's junior hockey and, and should be a player's choice. And uh, I think there's a lot of misinformation that goes out uh, around discussion of our level of hockey, uh, the implication that it saves teams money. You know, as a guy who's in charge of saving his team money, I can tell you it is saving us no money whatsoever. Uh, it creates new challenges in terms of marketing players. Uh, it creates new challenges in terms of players playing to what they believe is their uh, highest potential ability. And I think you've seen that at almost every level of junior where this kind of a change has been attempted, that it's been resisted by players. But let's not forget, we we always kind of phrase this as a visors versus cages argument. There have been players, rare as they have been, but since my day one in the AJHL, there have been players who have chosen to wear full facial protection while in the AJHL. There's no, no rule against it. It doesn't hinder you in any way. Um, and, and it's entirely workable. I, I think the issue we have here is that we're trying to reinvent the wheel when other levels of, of college track hockey have not only established that you can have competitive hockey with players wearing the half shields, but that in some cases, and I don't want to get into the, the big molehill of you know, when Junior B switched to it in Alberta and there was plenty of claims that it made the games more chippy, that it increased head injuries. This is what it all comes down to for me. We should have 10 times the focus on hits from behind and hits to the head as compared to the focus that we seem to have on sticks to the face. And sticks to the face, by and large, are unintentional. Where they are intentional, they're some of the most heavily penalized plays at our level or any level. And we still aren't at that same level when we come to the subject of plays that threaten a player's brain. And I think that should have been a much, much higher concern uh, moving forward. I think this one puts us, it doesn't help in any way. Um, and I think it puts us at a disadvantage as compared to other levels. USA Hockey, I think, has a good, to be honest, thing with this, which is um, once you hit 18, you can go, it's your choice. Um, and I think that's what we should be emphasizing when it comes to our players, put the faith in them. Maybe more of a lateral move right now than anything? Yeah, like it just... It, I don't even know if it is lateral. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a marketing guy, so I hate that, you know, photos in leagues like this now become significantly more difficult. It's, you know, less good in an era where we're trying to really establish, continue to establish Junior A as a very high-end option for players. I mean, this is something that's very different about the AJHL and other leagues of its sort in Canada. It doesn't apply to every Junior A league. But in a lot of cases, we are the number one goal for high-end players. I don't want to lose that. I don't think any of our member teams want to lose that. Um, and anything that works against that is, is going to be an issue in my mind. All the other pieces about what happens on the ice, I'm not the expert on that side. But 
I just don't see the positives that, that some think this is going to bring to us. I think there's way better examples out there, and I think the discussion should have been ongoing. It should never be a hammer dropped to say, nope, this is the way it's going. Um, it should have been an ongoing discussion, and I hope the discussion does continue this summer. Yeah, well said. The next item up on the agenda for the Alberta Junior Hockey League is the 25-man roster. It can continue now all the way through January 10th into the playoffs, which I think is the most important part, and then all the way up until June when the offseason commences once again. And where this is for me, from a Spruce Grove side of things, boy, have the Saints ever ran into injuries when it comes to the postseason. This will now help you have two more guys who have been in your system all year, all season, know what they're doing, and are able to step in at a moment's notice. So it might be an advantage for teams that run into injuries, but maybe it's a disadvantage for teams who are healthy all year, and now a couple less guys get to sit, or have to sit in the stands, rather. Where do you stand on the 25-man roster? Do you think it's a benefit, or do you think it's a con for the league? I think it's fantastic, and thank you for giving me an opportunity to be positive about something after I was uh, Mr. Negative on that last answer there. Um, you know, awesome move. I heard Hockey Alberta was was proposing this, um, was super impressed that they did and, and really embraced um, at the national level. You know, to have that kind of roster flexibility not only is good from the team's perspective, Brandon, but it just takes away another anxiety date for players um, because the December 1st cut down date is no longer a thing. Remember, when you have a 23-man roster, you know, yes, you didn't have to be down to 23 until January 10th, but you essentially wanted to be able to make moves. You had to get down to 23 at that December 1st date because then you would have those two cards available that would allow you um, to then go back to 23 um, with a couple of moves. If you move two players out, move two players back in, you needed additional cards um, in order to get to that level. Now, again, you may see teams cut down to 23 or lower as a way of positioning themselves for that January 10th trade deadline but they're not rushed into doing it. Um, you know, it can be based on what the injury situation turns out to be for those players. And you can now escape the need for what the BCHL had a little while ago, which was that sort of long to medium term injury reserve. I think to be honest, this is something we should be pushing for more and more. I think we should have 21 players dressed for warm up. Um, I think you should be able to scratch a guy late. You may even want to go to that European model, you know, have 13 forwards and seven defensemen on, on the active roster. I don't think we have to go NCAA and have three goalies because our benches in this league are, are only so big, but let's spread the opportunity around because this is a league um, where we like giving players opportunity. And I think the more we do that, the better it is, you know, for the experiences we create for the players in that league. And that's the beauty of the AJHL where any given guy can step in at any given night and be the hero and have a big night. And that's the best part about junior hockey is there's no predictions going into it. Let's talk about the interlock schedule. Uh, a new topic that came up a couple years ago, it was washed because of COVID. And now that COVID is completely behind us, it is now in full effect this season. For those of you that follow Tyler King on Twitter, you might know a standpoint on this already. It works, I think, for teams that are in geographical or ge geographic locations like spruce grove where it doesn't matter if we go to fort mac one last time we go to brooks one more time and vice versa but for a team like fort mac or a team like okotoks which is all the way up north or all the way down south it creates that extra travel schedule because you got to go to the other half of the province basically half more and instead of playing your opponents that are two hours away you're now going seven or eight hours away now, where it gets really interesting is the postseason, where there'll be a couple buys still, and there'll still be a couple teams that don't make it, but you could see literally anybody play anybody in the first round, and you could honestly have an Okotoks-Brooks final, where the bus trip is only an hour in the AJHL final. So it's interesting at that time of the year, but where do you see it right now in the regular season? Well... Here, here's where I would look at it, at it Brandon, is there's, there's two parts to it. I think we've done a, a disservice to our fans by diminishing the impact of rivalries. Um, you know, as much as, yes, it, it doesn't matter that much to, um, for example, Spruce Grove based on travel, it does in terms of rivalries. We preseason this year, Okotoks played Brooks three times, great crowds, unbelievable energy. Frankly, our, our first two preseason games against the Calgary Canucks were, were well attended and exciting as well. And the reason for these rivalries isn't just the classic playoff battles that we've seen between Okotoks and Brooks in prior years. It's because they're close. 
you, there's been many folks talking about how this new schedule will create new rivalries. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but Canmore and Lloyd Minster are not going to become heated rivals. What creates our ability to have rivals at this level is that fans of teams are able to go to those away rinks and watch their teams play in those rinks. It's not only good from a rivalry and an excitement perspective, it's great from a financial perspective. From Okotoks, you know, our worst selling game last year was against Fort McMurray. Our best selling game was against Brooks. You know, Lloyd Minster and Bonneville had a great rivalry going back and forth. Spruce Grove, Sherwood Park. I don't think we ought to have taken away from that. And the fact that we've also reduced the likelihood of those kinds of teams meeting in playoffs, um, I, th I think is, is going to be a disservice as well. From a Brooks perspective, there used to be that crossover. They used to not have divisional champions and the top four teams at the end of playoffs would just, you know, be reseeded in order to find out who was going to play in the final. This was considered good from a competitive standpoint. But in a year in which Brooks should have played Camrose in the South final, I believe this was back in 2010, Brooks instead had to play Grand Prairie in the league semifinal. They lost the series, but that wasn't the most important thing to Brooks. The team barely made any money on that series because the travel costs were so immense and the revenue just didn't make up for it. I know Canmore's on record talking about the tens of thousands of dollars that it's going to cost them. I, I give a pass to the Camrose Kodiaks who are way closer to the North Division than they ever were to South Division. They were victims of our need to have two equal sized divisions. So from their perspective, it's gonna be a major improvement. Don't see it helping from a financial perspective. I see it doing a bit of a disservice to fans. I already see in the schedule, we have more back-to-backs, more three and threes for teams. And because we've also expanded the schedule, don't forget to 62 games, I believe we have close to the least practice time of any league of our level because of the high quality quantity of games packed into a very tight period of time. So I've ranted quite a bit about it though, Brandon. I will say this. There's no harm in experiment. Well, there is, there is some harm, but there's no harm in a general sense in experimenting. I'm interested to see how it all goes, and I think it's going to show us some interesting things when we see those wacky playoff matchups at the end of the year. At the end of the day, the AJHL is the only product strong enough to sustain a schedule like this, and that's a testament to what a lot of the member teams have done over the last 10 years. I would just like to see more initiatives that reduce that cost for teams to operate and increase that engagement for the fans that have made the AJ so much fun to watch for this last decade. Yeah, well, well said. There's definitely pros and cons to both sides. Speaking with Tyler King, the play-by-play -play voice and the assistant GM of the Okotoks Oilers here on Game Changers. And one final one for you before we run out of time in segment number one. Where do you see the AJHL this year? Who are your powerhouses? Where do you see the league going in its 60th season? What can you expect when the puck drops on Friday? What can I expect? You know, uh, I think one thing that'll be really intriguing is to see if this increase in in-season NCAA commitments continues, because I think that really, you know, helps to establish the AJHL as a league that ought to be watched. Um, I think that's going to be great to see. In terms of team quality, I think the biggest thing you've got to keep your eye on are teams with new head coaches. Uh, your team is a great example of that. Mine and Brooks are not good examples of that. Canmore is not a good example of that. But, of course, I'll be watching them closely because we play our first two games of the season uh, against that team. Having seen Brooks in preseason, uh, having seen nearly their entire roster already be NCAA Division One committed, and, of course, Kalen Fitzpatrick, who may be the best player in the league this year, um, uncommitted, but only probably by virtue of the fact he hasn't chosen which of the many great programs he's going to continue his hockey career in. You know, it, it makes for what's going to be an interesting uh, attempt history by the defending champs um spruce grove again recruiting sensational how will ryan marsh be able to pick up where bram stephen left off will continue to be on the line and up there in bonneville how will mario do without being thrust into a situation like he was last year so late in the game very intrigued to see how that one works out too so i think your traditional powerhouses are going to continue to do what they've done for these last few years um, but there's a lot of upstarts in this league, as I kind of said to you off the top, that ought to make things really, really interesting. And first few months of the season is when all those interesting um, outlines start to come out because teams are still figuring out who's going to make up their rosters for the majority of the year. Well, the AJHL turns 60. It starts Friday. I can't wait to get back in the booth. I'm sure you can't uh, wait to get back as well. Tyler, appreciate the time and best of luck this campaign. I'm sure we'll catch up with you very soon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it as always.
Thanks a lot, guys. All right, the home opener for the Spruce Grove Saints, home to Grand Prairie Friday, September 15th. It is going to be a great, great party. Uh, By the way, you can still get tickets at the Spruce Grove Saints website, www.sprucegrovesaints.ca. It will indeed be an outstanding night with some exciting plans and some old friends coming by as well. Meanwhile, the Seattle Thunderbirds wrap up their preseason tonight on the 13th against Everett. They open on the road in Wenatchee on the 23rd. Strange start, though. Four games in the first 20 days. September 30th is the home opener where they will raise a WHL championship banner. Man, those nights are always so exciting. All right, let's dive into Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment and find out what exciting things they have planned for youth hockey. Joined now by the Vice President of Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, Tyrell Spitzer. Tyrell, it is great to chat with you and about all the amazing things that uh, are going on uh, or will be going on on the ice uh, with the Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment, uh, the JPHL, of course, the HSL and the Challenge Cups. But I'm so jealous because uh, you're at Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment Center, and this is a place I've called the Jewel of the West. It's going to be so sweet. You're there right now. It's so close to being open. Uh, you, You must be so excited being there, seeing all the new things. Yeah, I know it's it, it's it's a pretty cool feeling watching it kind of come together. Um, you know, seeing you know it from just a design, a concept to now being you know walking in and just uh, just end up playing a, uh, kind of a men's league game here. So snapping the puck and and whatnot on the one side, and the other side is uh, uh, shortly uh, shortly behind uh, this one in terms of completion. So um, it's 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 exciting. Like it's uh, it's everything that we thought it would be and more. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to, you know, get into the facility with, uh, all of our teams and, uh, you know, uh, the families and the athletes and whatnot, and, and they get to experience, you know, playing in a facility, facility like this. I'd love to set up a camera just at the entrance and just get the reactions of people as they walk through those doors and, and into the bowl. I, I mean, I think it's going to really blow people's minds that uh, this isn't for a professional team, maybe some future professional players, but uh, this is not a professional uh, team's home arena, although it looks like that. Yeah, it's cool. Like the, you know, the architect is you know, a former hockey player. So he really wanted to design it in such a way that as you're driving up to the building, you're, you're leaving the outside world and you're entering, you know, a, a, you know, a hockey atmosphere and, you know, everything that, uh, that's been in it. It's been designed by hockey players. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's a really cool details and features um, that, you know, I'm excited for people to kind of walk in and say, oh, wow, that's cool or that's neat or, you know, and it's different things taken from different arenas kind of put all, all together. Um, but the, the details and whatnot are, we're, I think we're going to have a lot of, like you said, like it'd be cool to have a camera cause there'll be a lot of shock and awe coming <laughs> through the front door, but then even kind of working your way around the building, um, the details and a few different things. Uh, I don't want to give anything away. I think you got to, you know, experience it and I'm sure there'll be enough, uh, photos and videos coming out here in the next little bit that, uh, will spread around. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, you know, this show is called Game Changers, and certainly the game has changed a lot. I, I like to ask people about this, about, you know, how they have seen the game change from when they were playing, or in your case, uh, when you were playing, to then you started coaching, uh, to now. Um, the the game is, is certainly shifting, and, and has been, I think, shifting for a while on the ice. Now, it's starting to shift off the ice. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I was a player, it was, uh, it was pretty straightforward. I, I, I didn't mind it. Like, it, you know, it was a clear pathway. You, you know, we were, uh, you're, you know, you kind of knew what you were, you were trying out for. And if you didn't make it, you know, that you're, you know, kind of placed and, and whatnot. Um, it was pretty straightforward, pretty simple. You know, whether you're a hockey person or not, uh, you, you understood the system, you understood the process. Um, you know, over time, you know, people start to find, as they do, new ways to train and develop for sport. And, uh, you know, new models have come out. And, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, things that um, over the course of the years, have, have, I think, have been for the good. 
Um, so it's, it's nice to be a part of, you know, a group that's um, uh, wanting to be a part of that, that growth, that uh, innovation uh, for athlete development on and off the ice. Um, because there's, uh, they've taken a lot of things of, you know, pre-existing models and, and whatnot and, and done a good job of putting it together. And uh, the passion that uh, kind of all the people that are involved in a lot of the models that, uh, you know, our ownership group and the Silent Ice group is involved in, uh, we're all pretty proud of, you know, uh, what we're doing and, and uh, the direction we're headed. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting to see how the game is evolving and, and it's giving more choice and, and, you know, the choice that we're involved in is one of those and, and you know, the, the JPHL, our model, your choice and, and that's what it is. It's a lot of choices and if you do choose to go with the JPHL, you get to experience something called the Winter Championship, which I think is uh, such a cool idea. I loved in-season tournaments uh, when I was playing growing up, uh, if you were heavy league play. Explain what the Winter Championship is and uh, what kind of impact it has on the season in the JPHL, which will be played at the Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment Centre. Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool uh, benchmark for a lot of our groups. So, um, you know, you, you, you get, uh, you know, players that, that uh, choose our development model um, you know, they're training on and off the ice every day. Um, they're, they're getting this, the academic support. Um, they're working with some of the, the industry leaders in, in skill development and skating and, 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 all, and all the different facets of the game. It's amazing. And uh, it's that, that mid-season benchmark to see, you know, from, we, from the start of the year to, uh, you know, it's like a, like a three-and-a-half-month sprint. Um, it, it puts a little bit of... Um, it takes a little bit off the league play, you know, it, it allows everybody to focus on the development. Uh, everybody in the league is in the tournament. And then once you get into the tournament, now it's, uh, okay, let's play for keeps. Uh, kind of the midway point, see where everybody's at. Uh, you know, ch- put a challenge on everybody. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's a really cool thing that we're, we're doing. We want to, we want to, we want to, you know, make it a little bit different and exciting so you know one of the things i think you're alluding to there dean is um our our new overtime format for the winter championship should we should we enter in them and then we had a lot of overtime games uh last year in the winter championships it was great hockey um but if we get into overtime you know that uh that five on five four on four three on three two on two one on one um i mean those that's some of the you know, I have a few really cool hockey memories from my, my playing days, and I, I never had a chance to play where some of the guys that uh, are involved in SISC played. But um, one of the biggest moments in, in my uh, hockey history is uh, going down to a, a one-on-one scenario and, uh, you know, and just the excitement and, you know, everything's uh, on you. And if you get a chance to win, then, hey, you're a hero. So that was, that was pretty cool. So I think we want to try and you know, put our athletes in different different scenarios, and it's it's just a little bit of a switch up, right? Like we're we're so used to the five minute three on three overtime and the three man shootout that sometimes you just need something that's a little bit of a refresher and and something different to challenge the coaches and challenge the players and and uh, get people thinking about different strategy and whatnot. Yeah. I love it. I, I can't wait to call uh, some of that uh, uh, chaotic overtime. You know, Edmonton Minor Hockey Week, we would do highlights at global television, and you would just pray that a game would get to that because it was so fun. And and also the Winter Championship does have an impact on the, the, the regular season as far as uh, playoff uh, home ice advantage. So it's not just a fun Winter Championship. There is something that is on the line for winning that midseason tournament. Yeah, you can take a lot of really cool things from a lot of different sports, as we do. Um, you know, and uh, one of the things that, um, you know, our commissioner was really passionate about is, um, you know, let's, let's, let's make this meaningful. And uh, the winner of the Winter Championship actually holds home ice advantage into the playoffs. So you can be a, you know, a, a fourth or fifth place team, um, win the Winter Championships, make it all the way to the finals and have home ice advantage against the first seed. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, it, it what what that does is it allows um, a lot of teams to be in the mix right till the end. So you always like whether you're a first place seated team or you know you're going into playoffs as a, a last seated team. Um, you know you're always playing for something. There's always a purpose behind playing right till the end. Uh, so I think that uh, that's important and um, it keeps uh, it keeps everything competitive and. And you know what? It's it's kind of cool because 
you know, you could have a first seeded team going to the playoffs and you drop the winter championships. Yeah. Now that just makes you change your, your strategy. And, you know, it pushes our coaches to, uh, hey, we thought we had this thing locked up. Well, we do until we run into the winter championship team. Then we might not have that. So um, it's just, it, you know, keeps everybody on their toes. A lot of fun. I love it, uh, and it's uh, it's re- it was really really entertaining hockey uh, last year. Uh, our JPHL team went to Nashville for an event uh, last year. Uh, by all accounts, had a lot of fun. Uh, and something different this year that you guys are doing. Uh, tell me about the top twenty event that will take place in Detroit. Yeah, so uh, Steve Aleski and the Top Twenty Challenge, um, they're running an event um, out of Detroit with some of the uh, stronger USA programs uh, gives us our players, uh, you know, an opportunity, a unique uh, um, opportunity to play against uh, different talents out of the states, uh, different exposure um, to, uh, you know, Steve does a really good job with getting NCAA schools out to those events. Uh, you know, uh, they're looking at a lot of the high-end talent out of there. So, you know, we're putting together teams to go represent us in uh, three different age categories out at the Top 20 Challenge. Um, so we're we're excited. It's a new opportunity for us. It's amazing. Like, you know, we we've only been around for one year, uh, Dean, and the amount of um, uh, just contacts and relationships and and people reaching out and giving us, uh, you know, our players and our families opportunities um, that we might not have had a year ago um, has been amazing. And uh, it's it's amazing on how much can be accomplished in one year's time when people see what you're doing and and it's for the right reasons. Yeah, I, I I really think that's a good point. I think people have certainly taken notice of uh, what the JPHL and what Silent Ice in general is doing because it, it extends past the JPHL. Uh, you have Challenge Cup events that we will be broadcasting on SilentIceTV.com. Really excited about that. Uh, of course, the JPHL playoffs. Uh, but the NORAM Cup is something that I am really excited about. I love international play uh, no matter what. And I think this is going to be spectacular. Explain to our viewers and, and those listening on their favorite platforms what the NORAM Cup is going to be. Dean, you're, you're getting a bit of a sneak peek. The secret's about to get out. Like, we've, uh, I think we've done a pretty good job, um, you know, put, building this in the, in the background and, and exactly what it is. So, um, you know, this is a concept that's, that's kind of built out from our Challenge Cup. So just to touch on the Challenge Cup really, real quick. You know, some of the top teams from the HSL, you know, a ton of really good hockey players. Oh, my gosh. Watching those teams go at it with uh, the top end players out of BC. You know, we have a really good relationship with the HPL there. And, and watching our our uh, teams go at it uh, in tournament play is really exciting for the players. And it's kind of evolved from there. So, you know, looking at um, uh, the KSL Quebec and the KSL uh, Ontario Leagues. Um, and then, you know, moving south into some of the American regions with... Uh, with you know certain hockey uh, associations there that uh, we're able to interact with, um, what we've done is we've uh, kind of split Canada into four regions, and the states into four regions, and um, you know, and also have some international. I got to keep that a secret though, Dean. Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of the international uh, teams coming in, uh, but you know, just the ability to have four regions uh, with with you know really strong players represented um, from Canada and the states. Um, you know, we're, we're using one age group as a pilot project and then, uh, you know, depending on um, what, you know, we're going to learn a lot in our first year, as we always do, uh, we, we might look to expand it. But we're, we're kind of targeting that, um, that 2015 born uh, athlete. Um, that's where we're getting a lot. That's where a lot of these leagues are at right now in terms of, you know, what birth year we're all aligning. Uh, so we're using that and it's, it's, been, it's been an awesome relationship builder, the amount of know hockey the good hockey people involved all over north america it's it's amazing to see it's been amazing to work with and uh, we're really excited about um you know you heard it here first with dean but uh we are really excited at some point to, to announce our noram cup in the different regions and the people involved yeah it's, it's I just I can't imagine how cool it will be for those young kids to be involved in in something like that. I mean, there are some high profile tournaments out there, and I think this one is going to be uh, one of those tournaments that you know teams are really going to want to try and get into or get you guys to expand it or whatever. I think it's going to be really popular, and those kids are going to have so much fun uh, being involved for the first time. Yeah, totally. I mean, we, we had a we had a lot of people approach us and say, "Hey, have you ever thought about?" And uh, and we said, "You know what? 
this would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, let, let's let's uh, put it together and see what it looks like. And and uh, a lot of really good hockey people, a lot of a lot of ex pros that have you know been in the game a long time. You know, they have an idea of how this game should be. Um, you know, laid out for players in terms of development and opportunities and experiences. And, and uh, there's a lot of really bright ideas that are coming down the line that we're, you know, we're fortunate enough that we can, we can execute on and, uh, and, and provide an experience for the athletes. Yeah, and, and as we said off the top, it is changing. Uh, in our intro, we talk about borders uh, disappearing. Why do you believe in this model that so many other people obviously believe in? Because uh, you just talked about uh, some of the American and, and potentially international um, you know, teams, leagues, associations that are looking at this model. Why do you believe in it so much? Yeah, Dean, you know, it comes down to... Um, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a passionate hockey, uh, you know, person involved in hockey. Um, a lot of the people around me are, are you know, pa- passionate hockey fans, players, staff, and uh, you know they've we we know there's a there's a having choice is a good thing. Uh, it's been created. Um, you know, there, you, we have a responsibility to make sure that you know that we're providing really good options for those that know and, and you know can navigate the hockey landscape. And for those that can't, that we have a real clear path for those guys as well. Um, so, you know, we've come together to say, um, this is our development model. You know, this is what we believe is a, you know, a long-term um, athlete development plan in terms of on ice and off ice and, and uh, all the extracurricular around what our programs are doing uh, through leadership skills and, you know, public speaking and just, just a whole bunch of really cool things. And, you know, it's taken a while to find out you know who the best program providers are, and, and really work with those guys, and and find uh, you know people that uh, understand what we're trying to build, and, and then come on board with it. Um, but you know we believe in choice, and we believe you know there's a lot of times where um, you know you're in a really strong uh, organization, and you know there's there's guys that have been ahead of you, and you, you might need a change of scenery in order to get yourself an opportunity. Um, you know you might have a coach that you know might might not. Uh, might not connect with you or communicate you the way that you know you need to be successful and you know having the ability to go seek out an opportunity that fits you I think is important and for for you to have success um, you know I think that's a that's a big thing so for us to be able to provide um, you know this model that we're all very proud of and uh, be able to deliver on the development model on and off the ice and everything else that we're we're trying to accomplish in sport right from a you know, a seven-year-old all the way till you know, at this point, um, you know, we're involved with, with junior hockey. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to see, and we're seeing a lot of growth. We're seeing a lot of relationships built. And uh, we're, we're starting to see a lot more understanding of those that, you know, maybe were opposed to the why early on mm-hmm. that are now starting to understand, you know, why we exist and, and what we're trying to do. And uh, you start to have conversations in and around the rink and, uh, you know, they're in around the gyms and, you know, on the road and, and, and they start to understand, oh, you know what, I, I get it now. Oh, really? That's what you guys are doing. Okay, this is what I've heard or this is what I thought. Um, but, you know, when we, when we understand what exactly that you guys are trying to do, hey, we get it. And, uh, you know, it's going to take time and people need to see it, understand it. And, and, uh, but we truly think we're valuable to the game and the sport and, uh, and for the betterment of the sport in Canada. Well, uh, over the weekend, it was in Calgary and uh, some, some newcomers in that brand new U17 age group uh, division in the JPHL really, really impressed me. So uh, I can't wait for the rest of it to get going uh, as we really jump into it this coming weekend. You'll be in Lloydminster. I'll be in Williams Lake. Uh, those two communities must be just so excited about the ability to host a showcase. Yeah, you know, the cool thing about our group is the ability to pivot. You know, when it makes sense, like we have lots of conversations and, hey, you know what, this is maybe what we what we wanted. Um, but you know what, we've gone through a year, we've listened, we've learned. And, uh, you know, we, we always, it's always player first, it's athletes and, and families. And, and uh, you know, we, we were looking at some of our remote um, or our rural hubs and we said, you know what, we got we to gotta show a little bit of love. So we're in Lloyd, we're in Williams Lake, we're in Lethbridge. Um, home games, you know, uh, show off kind of the JPHL to some of those local communities. Uh, and then again, the majority of our 
of our games will still be in the uh, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver area. Just a lot easier to get to and, and exposure-wise. Um, but, you know, with the, the Four Vengeance Media, I mean, all of our games are, are, are easily, uh, easily accessible uh, for exposure. But um, getting into these communities and having people come out and take a look and say, oh, geez, this is how they put on uh, a competition weekend from a league level. And uh, having people from the league at the facility in the rink on the weekend, uh, making sure that experience is what it should be for the athletes and the families. Um, I mean, I've, I, I've been a part of a lot of different streams for a lot of years. Uh, this is second to none. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the first weekend, it was a great presence at the rink down in Calgary, and we had uh, a good number of people watching uh, the broadcast, and I'm sure this weekend it's going to be even more in three different locations. Can't wait to really get it going. Uh, Spitzy, thanks so much for joining us. The the things that are going on uh, within the, the walls of our office, uh, the excitement is building, <laughs> and I, I can't wait to tell everybody about uh, the, the things that we have planned down the road. But we'll get through uh, this weekend, first of all, and then we'll get to everything else. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Dean. And uh, Dean, I know, I know you know, uh, I know you know a lot. And um, there's uh, there is a lot of exciting things coming down the pipe. And uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun, kind of unveiling those as you go through with this uh, with this show. But thanks for having me on, Dean. And sorry for shaking, uh, holding the phone. I mean, uh, that <laughs> adrenaline once you're on the ice and you're firing around like I just uh, <laughs> I can't hold my can't hold my hands uh, still. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Dean. Too many goals, too many goals. That's why the hands are, the hands must be sore. That's never been a problem before. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tyrell. Okay, thanks, Dean. Take care. And congratulations to HC Edmonton U17 on a sweep last weekend. All three games with the Calgary Rockies uh, were close and, and intense. Could have gone either way. Lethbridge United, U18, also got off to a good start with a win over the Rockies. You can watch all of the games right there on SilentIceTV.com free for the month of September, which includes this weekend's three showcases. Williams Lake, uh, the... uh, The North Stars Hockey Academy playing host to the U-17s. Cannot wait to get up there. In Delta, the U-14s, the U-15s, and the U-18s will get it going at Planet Ice in Delta, B.C. And as uh, Tyrell Spitzer said, Lloyd Minster also hosting the U-14s, U-15s, and U-18s. It is going to be awesome. The Athletics are pumped to be hosting. I'll be in Williams Lake and all of the games, as mentioned, SilentIceTV.com, free for September, and then a season pass gets you all of the games, including the Winter Championship and the playoffs for just $99.99. Otherwise, just $3.99 a game or only $5.99 per download if you would like to keep it for posterity's sake. Well, I know this guy has this goal probably on the iPhone or something. You got to have this close by. Kirby Doc's first as a Montreal Canadian. We get into that and more with the Fort Saskatchewan product in our Pond to the Pros segment. Kirby, thanks very much for joining us here on Game Changers. Um, I guess let's start with the you know the background on the the family. I, I'm I'm guessing the street hockey games, the ODR games, uh, were and probably still are pretty competitive around the Doc household. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were uh, a couple of bloody noses, a couple of bloody shins, um, but. Uh... Yeah, we spent a lot of time on the outdoor rink growing up as kids, um, even on the lake. Um, just a couple hours north of Edmonton, we, we were out there quite a bit when we were young on the skating out there. And then uh, obviously had a lot of road hockey games with uh, buddies from around the area in the fort. And um, I think those games have since been retired. Um, <laughs> uh, we're getting a little bit older now, a little bit harder on the body to, to be running around on the streets. So um, resort to a little bit more relaxing in golf in the summer now than, than uh, street hockey. 
Yeah, you can you can still be competitive in golf and save the body for the season. Uh, nobody wants to be, you know, nobody wants to be the guy who got injured in a in a road hockey game <laughs> heading into the season. So golf sounds like it's uh, it's much safer. Uh, you mentioned the Fort uh, Fort Saskatchewan where you grew up. Did did you guys all grow up wanting to wear that Rangers crest? My nephew uh, played uh, hockey in Fort Saskatchewan, and there's something about that crest that's really cool. For you guys, was that what you guys wanted to be when you were little kids? Is is wear that rangers crest yeah um i guess like growing up too uh really my dad's really good friends with uh, sean bailey so i got to to watch jordan and tyson um are actually pretty good friends of colton and mine now and uh got to watch them grow up as kids and i remember watching them go through like bantam and midget and they're in playoffs and um just how exciting it was to kind of be a ranger at that time and um just how much they were kind of like loved by the the town and the city and it's definitely something you uh, grew up wanting to be when you uh, look back at your minor hockey obviously it was a lot of fun and successful um, lots of choices for for kids out there and, and different family what advice would you give to to younger kids and families about you know the choice that might be right for them is there a right choice for everyone do you think um i think it was a little bit different when i was going through it i think i would kind of hit bantam and midget a little bit right before um, all these different leagues kind of came out and uh, I know my path was different from my brother's. He went to the school league, and um, I think it doesn't uh, doesn't really matter. I mean, you kind of got to do what's what's right for you and your family, and what you feel is the best opportunity for you. But at the, I feel like at the end of the day, um, whether you want to advance in hockey and stuff, people will find where you're playing, and they'll come watch. And uh, yeah, the scouts do their due diligence on that kind of thing. So it doesn't really matter. It's just more about what you do on the ice and who you are off the ice. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. Um, you know, word gets around whatever league and, and we're, you know, we've heard stories gratefully in the last few years about, you know, guys uh, catching an eye of somebody in a junior B league or, you know, whatever league it might be and, and rising up. So it, you're right. If, if you're good enough, uh, they will find you. And with everything, all the video and the streaming these days, I mean, uh, we were lucky enough to get one or two games recorded w- when we were kids, and now uh, the the streaming is is so great. And you know, uh, you got to play in Saskatoon uh, with the Blades, and and I guess let's go there and and what your time and your memories about uh, wearing that historic WHL crest. Yeah, um, Saskatoon was great for me. Um, kind of got to the team at a, at a point where they're looking more to like be younger and let the young guys go out and play um, maybe a little bit of a run gun game and um, just kind of play offense. And then we uh, are going into my second year, we're a little bit older and we kind of made some trades to kind of bluster up our back end and have a big, strong decor with a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds. And so um, we were able to kind of make a run at it and obviously ended up getting into a, a pretty tough series against Prince Albert. Um, ended up losing there, but uh I made a lot of great friends there, a lot of lifelong buddies, um, coaches I couldn't thank enough. Um, even the support staff and medical equipment, uh, those are some of the, the best people I've met in hockey so far. So it's a real privilege to to be a part of the Blades and um, have a, a couple of successful years there and then obviously moved on. And, and as you mentioned, those are, you know, whether it's billet relationships, teammate relationships in, in the community, uh, your junior years, as as many pros have said, uh, mean so much as you as you get into the NHL and, and as you remember that. So those are memories and bonds that are almost lifelong, aren't they? No, they, they really are. Um, it's definitely a time where you're kind of going through things as a kid you're kind of turning from boy into a man and um you're you're making those bonds those relationships and kind of creating lifelong friendships and uh it's definitely a lot of memories that i'll cherish for the rest of my life and um i still talk to to quite a few guys that i I played junior with and um i try and see them once or twice a summer and uh, spend some time with them and just kind of talk about things and uh, where they're at in life and um it's uh, it's cool to see yeah no doubt um off-season training, um, I, I'm guessing your off-season training, the first year going into the NHL is much different than it is now as you get older, more experienced, more mature, and, and used to the NHL. Um, how different is your off-season from, from year to year? Does it change quite a bit? 
Uh, I think after your first year kind of going into the NHL, um, it, it changes drastically. I think that first year, obviously, for me, um, at 18 or 19 years old, I was had um, the World Junior Summer Showcase. I had development camp, prospects camp, and you have all these different camps. You're playing hockey 12 months of the year, kind of that first year you're, you're transitioning into it. But uh, after that, you, know, you kind of come home and you're like, well, like, I don't know what to do with all this free time because <laughs> I feel like beating up to <laughs> your like, second or third offseason in the NHL, it's just you're go, go, go. You're playing hockey. You're doing all these different camps. And once you finally make it, you get a little more time to just kind of relax and um, reset in the summer and enjoy things and be at the lake and uh, go golfing lots and just kind of give that time to reset your mind and your body so that come around September time you're ready to, to go again. Yeah, time management becomes a lot easier as you get older and it's it's I, I find it almost hard to believe but you're going into your fifth full season at just 22. Does your rookie season seem like it was 10 years ago almost? <laughs> um, I don't know if it feels 10 years ago but it <laughs> might feel like it was last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, time has flown by, and uh, I've met a lot of great people along the way that um, have been able to share a, a ton of wisdom, and um, it's uh, it's definitely something I'm grateful for. Uh, all the times I I spent in Chicago and the uh, friendships and the relationships I built there with with everybody, but uh, being in Montreal now, I'm pretty excited to be heading into to my second season there and to what we're building towards. It's um, definitely exciting to get going here in the next couple of weeks yeah i i really uh, i think uh, there's a lot of excitement in uh, that uh, eastern part of of canada with some teams really on the rise and obviously the leafs uh being a, a contender it's it's really exciting all across canada i think uh, for the for the canadian teams and um you know you go back to that training camp in chicago uh maybe people were surprised you were a third overall pick you made the team did you at all surprise yourself or did you just uh, as you said you were on a bit of a roll coming into camp um it was it was a great story i think for a lot of people uh, what was it like for you what do you remember about that first training camp um, I was, I was pretty excited. Uh, I couldn't uh, really hold back that, that excitement, but, um, I, my goal was to go there and, and make it difficult on them to send me back and, uh, to make that team. And, um, obviously going into the rookie tournament got hurt and, uh, kind of missed a big chunk of the training camp. And then, um, once I got into games and was playing, I, it was kind of like my mindset was like, okay, I'm here. Like, let's just go out and play the game. And, um, make it difficult on them to send me back. And then obviously eight or nine games in, Jeremy kind of told me that, hey, we're going to keep you the rest of the year. And um, and then once I kind of got that news, it was like a, a weight was kind of lifted off your shoulders and you're just able to, to be free and play and you're not really worrying about that too much. And obviously I had a lot of older guys to lean on and veteran presence. And that kind of helped me uh, really become the player and the person I am that's that's – that is right now, and uh, there's definitely more more to my game that I want I want to add and uh, become uh, even better. Yeah, and and with Montreal now, uh, and as I mentioned, you've you know five years in the league, you, you've certainly experienced a lot. How did you find out about the trade? And was there, um, I guess, a feeling out period? How do you think the the trade has impacted you in your game and the excitement that you have going forward? Um, I think the the. The trade at the time, it was hard to, to swallow and understand. You're such a young kid, and you think you're going to spend your, your whole career with one team. and You're kind of naive to the, the business part of the game because you, you don't really think it's going to affect you, and I never went through it in junior. But, um, yeah, it was definitely a bit of a shock. I was actually on, uh, on the golf course that day or worked out, then went and golfed with my brother and was texting a couple of buddies from different teams, and they were saying that uh, – they were hearing things and stuff, so I kind of just shut my phone off and went and played 18 holes, and then still haven't heard anything from my agent yet. And got in the car and went uh, went to skate that night. And um, as I parked my car, uh, Kyle Davidson actually phoned me, and it's kind of one of those moments where like uh, time stands still, and you, your heart kind of sinks into the into the pit of your stomach, and you you don't really know what he's going to say or what's going to happen because at the time the, the draft was going on. So I pick up the phone and he just says, Hey, like uh, you've been traded and, and you're trading to, to Montreal. And 
like after I kind of heard that, it you almost black out for a little bit and um, kind of came to when I got the phone call from from Kent Hughes and just kind of welcomed me onto the team and um, obviously uh, said a lot of the things and, and got me excited and uh, ever since then I, I was looking forward to getting to Montreal and to getting around the guys and I knew some of them already so that helps the transition but it's definitely a feeling out process in the first couple of days once you get there to understand the dynamic and what the team's like. But uh, after that, it's kind of just taken off. There's uh, such a good group of guys there and, and they're, they're a ton of fun to be around and the coaching staff is great. And um, it's definitely uh, made me fall in love with the game again and, and had a lot of fun. Yeah, certainly an upswing, uh, so much excitement and, and um, you know, so much to look forward to. Uh, what about, uh, what do you remember about your first wow? You know, everybody, you know, people, not everybody, but uh, players talk about that one moment where they're like, huh, I'm in the NHL. Maybe you, was there a starstruck moment or just a, a light bulb that went off? Maybe it was when you got the call. What do you remember about your first I'm in the NHL kind of moment that went off in your mind? I think it was my first game. Um, I went to take the face off, and Backstrom was in front of me, and then to my right was Patrick Kane and uh, Alex Ovechkin, and then to the left was uh, Dylan Strom and TJ Oshie behind me. I think it was uh, Dunk and maybe Seeds. I can't remember who else was out there, but on the other side it was John Carlson and, and whoever his D partner was. And you're sitting there, and to my right side, I got two two Hall of Famers, and behind me, I two Hall of Famers in front of me, a Hall of Famer, you're just like, what is going on right now? Like, I'm an 18-year-old kid playing against these guys. This is this is nuts. So that was kind of like my my first moment where I was uh, a little bit starstruck. All right, let's take a look at your first uh, NHL goal in Chicago. And obviously it's a, a memorable one for you, but what, what goes going through your mind in this? Are you just getting mobbed here? Yeah, um, another one of those moments where you just kind of black out because you don't really – know what's going on um definitely got a lucky bounce there and uh um obviously it's against flower too so that's yeah. that's pretty special so i got to play with him and, and tease him a little bit about it which was nice because uh, there's not a whole lot to tease flower about but um yeah just off the shin pad and in um not a greasy one but uh maybe over celebrated a little bit but it was definitely a special moment you can never over celebrate uh, your first goal in the NHL. Like I, 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 you know, I don't care what anybody says. You you can never do that. Now your first goal with Montreal, different story. This was an absolute gorgeous uh, one. Um, I will actually, I'm going to bring it up uh, there. The first goal with Montreal. Uh, this was a big one for you. Yeah, yeah, that one was was pretty nice. I felt like I was playing good early on. And, um... Had a couple of chances, just nothing was going in. And then uh, to kind of get that one in front of the home crowd, overtime winner, um, it was definitely uh, pretty exciting and uh, a memorable one for sure, one of the more memorable memorable ones I've scored. Yeah, this is a, a big, big goal uh, on the power play, a great pass from Monaghan. And, and again, you're just mobbed in the corner. And this, you know, your teammates are so happy for you. Um, that celebration in there, that moment, just must feel like you're on cloud nine. Yeah, exactly. I think the moment there where I turn around and kind of point to Monty, and uh, it's it's pretty special. And um, it's definitely a, a moment I won't forget to, to get that one. And, um, especially the time, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun being around those guys. Yeah, it's uh, Brendan Gallagher seems like uh, one of the, the the most fun people to be around, even going back to his junior days uh, when I covered him. So expectations for yourself and the team in Montreal, full year under your belt. What are you really looking forward to about uh, being a Canadian this year? Uh, I think I'm just excited to see um, all, the, all the guys again and then to see how much um, our, our young core has kind of progressed and, how everybody's kind of taking a step and taking more responsibility on and um, kind of building towards our, obviously our end goal is to, to win a championship there with the team we have. But I think it's going to just be exciting to see how everybody's kind of taking a step further and, and um, getting ready to, for the season to just kind of start hot and uh, see where we go from there. 
Okay, Montreal uh, classic, uh, original six, uh, just like Chicago. Uh, and you grew up in this hockey-mad area, uh, Fort Saskatchewan, Edmonton. How does Montreal compare? You get you get the passion in both languages, where in, in, in Edmonton you're just turning on the radio when there was sports talk radio and you, you'd hear one language. But how does the Montreal passion compare to the, the passion that you grew up with as a fan here in Edmonton? Oh, it's uh it's a different world out there honestly um people are people are pretty passionate here and in chicago but uh i don't think there's anywhere so it's like montreal um the love and the support we get from our fans is is honestly the the best in the league and um that play in that rink every night and have a sold out rink and how much energy they bring us is, is insane and uh even like walking around the city and being around the city you just feel loved and and um supported and it's nice as a player to to be in an area where you're wanted um, by the fans and the community. And it's definitely nice for, for us when we get those chances to give back to them and to be around them because we see how important the, the Habs logo and the CH means to them. What are games back in Edmonton like for you? Uh, still as exciting as the very first one? Uh, they might be a little bit more expensive with the amount of tickets, but uh, how much fun is it to play back home? I've always loved coming back home and then playing here. Even back in, in my junior days, I played my first Western League game in, in Edmonton. and So it's definitely a, a place uh, I like to come home and, and play and see friends and family. And um, it's, uh, I always have that with those, those ones circled in my calendar for sure. Uh, Kirby, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Game Changers. Best of luck as you embark on another season in Montreal. Uh, certainly uh, the future is bright for you guys and the Canadians. Thanks very much for spending some time with us. Thank you. Fun chat with Kirby Doc. Want to remind you, SilentIceTV.com is home to the JPHL, the HSL, and special events like the Winter Championship, the Challenge Cup, and more. Watch live games or catch up on what you missed. Plus, Game Changers can be found with more great product and content produced by 4Vengeance Media. So much stuff at SilentIceTV.com. Man, it is your home for hockey. Next week, we'll check in with the good folks out in Okanagan and find out how uh, hockey may be healing and helping out. And we might just have a two-time Stanley Cup champion as well. My thanks to Kirby Doc of the Montreal Canadiens for joining us. Brandon Ewan Cheshin, the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints. Tyler King, the voice of the Okotoks Oilers, as well as the assistant GM. And Tyrell Spitzer, the vice president of Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment. Some very, very cool events coming your way in that regard. I will see you on the JPHL broadcasts this weekend. Until then, always double pad stack when you can. See you later.